Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Bonnie in the house. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from neoneo4j.com and it's a blog. Let me read it and then I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about today and then we'll introduce our special panelists. So the graph paradigm, everybody remember that the graph paradigm goes well beyond databases and application development. It's a reimagining of what's possible around the idea of connections. That's the quote. So there are a couple key words in there. One is graph and the other one is connections. Let's go with that. So let me give you the background. A major inhibitor in business is a fundamental lack of trust and and transparency. We all know this with customers, suppliers, and other stakeholders inside your ecosystem and outside your ecosystem. But this problem needs to be solved, especially now. Understanding the hidden connections, and I'm putting quote marks around the word hidden. The hidden connections can reveal things you need to know. What about threats? Uh Uh-oh. What about opportunities? Yes. As well as enhancing, enhancing your business relationships because you want to develop trust. You want to increase your business efficiencies, and maybe most important, you want to minimize risks. So there's something called graph intelligence solutions, aka business graph technology that we're going to talk about today. It provides the ability to map and visualize connections within your data. And you know you have tons and tons and tons and reams and tsunamis of data today. How do you map it? How do you visualize it? Beyond primary applications, this is originally used for banking, insurance, and government agencies. This technology can be used for enterprise risk management procurement, sales solutions, and data integrity. So it is almost all-encompassing. We have three specialists on the show today. We're going to be welcoming in a moment Noel Billingsley at Palteri, his colleague Bernard Ritz also at Palteri, and we have Dirk Hauserman at SAP. We're going to ask them to share their insights on our topic today, Mapping Your Business Network's Hidden Connections Enable Trust. So welcome to our listeners around the world, and we're happy to have you, and let's get started. I'm going to ask my first panelist, Noel Billingsley. Noel, welcome to Game Changers Radio. So happy to have you here. And Noel, would you please take about two minutes and introduce yourself, and while you're introducing yourself, tell us a little bit about Palteri, and then tell us what this topic means to you. Go ahead, Noel. Sure. Hi, Bonnie. Uh, thanks for having us on today. This is uh, mm-hmm. a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. Um, you know, my name is Noel Billingsley. I'm the operations manager of uh, Palteri here in, Nor- in North America, uh, right outside of Philadelphia. Um, we had the opportunity to launch the U.S. Uh, US North American market earlier this year. Um, and uh, Palteri uh, was ba- is based out of Germany. Uh, we, it was started about seven, eight years ago with the idea of bringing tr- trust and transparency to the market in a way that people haven't seen it or thought about it before. Um, prior to uh, 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 me becoming involved in Palteri, I spent about 17 years in finance. So I was involved in uh, everything from startup banks to some of the largest uh, commercial banks here in the United States. Um, and through, you know, through that experience, I really got a deeper understanding of of how banks think and, and, and how they act when it comes to risk and risk mitigation. Um, uh, through that process, I, I started a, a few ventures uh, as an entrepreneur, um, and that led me to become a mentor uh, with a wonderful foundation called the Uncommon Individual Foundation, where uh, I ultimately uh, met her uh, heart. Uh, and from there, uh, we, we started the process of bringing uh, Ride to, uh, to the United States and ultimately uh, to, to North America. Thank you very much, Noel. I appreciate the introduction, and I'm glad you mentioned your colleague. So let me just zoom over. No, we're not on Zoom. Let me zoom over to Bernard. Bernard, welcome. How are you? Good. How are you? Good morning, Bonnie. Uh, Good morning. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, Bernard Ritz. I'm the, the regional president for Palderai here in, in North America. And as, as Noel mentioned, right, the topic of the show is really at the core of, of our company, to capitalize on the, on the value of uh, business insights. Um, we all talked about it. We just t- started a company here in North America beginning of this year. Uh, it originated in, in Germany six years ago and is quite established over there. Uh, 
specifically in financial services and the public sector. Before I joined Paldurai last year, I spent a little bit over two decades at, at SAP in uh, competitive market intelligence, corporate strategy, strategic business development, uh, all kinds of uh, projects and initiatives in, in North America, in Europe, and in, and in Asia. And I'm super happy to be in a quite different environment to what I'm used to from SAP. So it's not a 100,000 people company, it's a 50 people company, uh, a very different setup, but uh, super exciting. And today I'm calling in from Berlin, Pennsylvania. Thank you very much, Bernard. That is interesting, going from a 100,000 people company to, yes, a very, very small, but a very important one. Bernard, let me just ask you uh, quickly before we move around the table to Dirk, how important is this graph technology? Is this brand new? Graph databases are around for, for a while, but I think uh, they get a lot of new use cases, new meanings in today's world. There's a lot of, of unstructured data and the need to make sense to put uh, context into unstructured databases or uh, uh, unstructured content. Uh, there's a whole new group of, of use cases where graph databases are uh, important. Thank you very much. Nice to have you on, Bernard. Let's go around the table to our third stop. It is Dirk Hauserman at SAP. Dirk, welcome, and please tell us a little bit about what you do, and you can also comment on the importance of the topic. Welcome, Dirk. Thank you, Bonnie, and good morning to you. Uh, I'm calling in from Stuttgart, Germany. I'm Dirk Hauserman. I'm uh, responsible at SAP for what we call the platform and technologies business here in Middle and Eastern Europe. And it's a great pleasure to be on the show with uh, you and the two colleagues from Palturai. Palturai, of course, is a great organization because they are leveraging our technology um, to bring value to the customers uh, with their graph technology. And I believe it's extremely important to look into this topic because it uh, enables organizations and companies today to really make better use of their data with publicly available data, but also with data these organizations generate themselves and create value by finding out connections that are there, but they might not have been uh, able or been able to show or to be uh, aware of. Now, before I joined SAP three years ago, I spent my entire professional life in the IT industry, and I started uh, with a company called IBM. I have a lot of good attachment to the U.S. in that sense, Mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to the show today. Thank you so much, Dirk. Very, very interesting. A good panel. Really appreciate all of your knowledge. Years and years and years of of great knowledge coming to the table. Noel, uh, I I didn't get a chance to ask you, what's what's your thought on the idea of graph technology? Is it really critical for businesses to embrace it today? And then I'm going to go through your quote, the opening quote you sent me, but I want to get your background on this, Noel, because I think we can hear you better now. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, It's absolutely critical. Uh, In today's environment, more so than ever, you know, all business needs to look at, look into the future and look at ways to increase efficiency, have a better understanding of the ecosystem or, or the environment in which they're doing business. Um, You know, it's something that we all think we know. Um, but when you start peeling back the layer of the onion um, and start getting a better understanding of, of what your technology can do for you in the terms of visualization and understanding, it really drives major change um, in any organization. That's what, one of the reasons it's so important. You know, when we think about companies like financial institutions, large enterprise, they have so many facets to them. Being able to understand the world in which they're living in on a daily basis is, is hugely important. Um, and that will get into some of the topics that, that, that I hope to discuss mm-hmm. a little bit later in the show. Thank you very much, Noel. I have a quick question for you. I've, I've had some issues with uh, syncing and clouds and all that for my personal information on my Mac in the past week. It's been hell, I'll say that. But, but uh, I, somebody told me to get something called Disk Map and look and see where everything is on my hard drive. And I, just for a hard drive with maybe three and a half terabytes of data, I'm looking at a map of where everything is. And the visualization is amazing, seeing where the duplicates are, where the files are stored and what the the folder structure is 
Noel, is it anything like that with this graph technology for a business that has it's it's terabytes? Is it even? We're not even talking. We're not even in that realm. We're talking zettabytes and all kinds of new amounts of data to look at it. Is this something one human being can actually comprehend if they look at a, a graph of this? Noel, that's that's the great part about it. It takes very you know, a very tough concept and a, yeah. a lot of technical aptitude and brings it brings a high degree of clarity to 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 the picture. And you're just thinking about one laptop. Imagine an organization that has a hundred thousand people with a hundred thousand laptops and you know tens of thousands of vendors on a global basis. Um, now you're starting to be able to use this and and, and bring in real crystal clear focus and cut time, save money, decrease your risk. These are all these are all great things. Um, imagine if you had just a family of four, you know, husband, wife, children, being able to see all of that 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 information visually. You know, then just expand and expand and expand. That's the great thing about graph technology, um, and, and one of the reasons that companies need to look at how to implement this into their current systems and current thought processes. It sounds exciting. Thank you very much. I had to relate it to something that I knew about, and, and it sounds like it was a good idea. Noel, uh, we're going to now go to the part of the show, Noel and Dirk and uh, who we got here. I'm looking, and Bernard. Uh, Bernard actually is going to be after Noel. Uh, I've asked my panelists in advance to send me an opening quote from a movie, a song, a book, something that on the surface has absolutely nothing to do with the topic, and they've come up with some very interesting quotes and sources. So Noel Billingsley at Palteri has come up with a quote, by Dickie Fox, played by Jared Jussum in the movie Jerry Maguire, 1966. Uh, the Dickie Fox character, who was sometimes spelled D-I-C-K-Y and sometimes D-I-C-K-I-E, I discovered that, Noel, was a mentor to Tom Cruise's character, Jerry Maguire. Anybody who's too young to remember, which may be in our mm-hmm. listening audience, it was an American romantic comedy drama sports film. That's a mouthful. Written, produced, and directed by Cameron Crowe, starring Tom Cruise, Cuba, Gooding Jr. and Renee, Renee Zellweger. And what's interesting is that Jared Jossum, still very much alive and well, was the Deputy General Counsel and Executive Vice President at, let's see now, uh, of Intellectual Property Department of Sony Pictures, a division of the Sony Corporation. Uh, Cameron Crowe, who was the director, asked Billy Wilder to play Dickie Fox. And Wilder said, go get an actor. Well, Jussum happened to walk on into a production meeting with Crowe and James Brooks. And they said, would you say one line for us? And he said it, and they said, you're hired. And they put him into the role of Dickie Fox. And I've looked at the video, and he did a really cool job with a bunch of how to do business the right way one-liner. So here is the quote that Noel has selected from Dickie Fox and Jerry Maguire. The key to this business is personal relationships. Noel, please tell us more. How'd you pick this quote? Fascinating. Well, it, 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 it's it's a core fundamental in the way I, I believe to do business. Um, you know, with, with with technology, with the way the world is anymore, you know, we often rely on things like our CRM tools and all these other you know uh, pieces of technology that we hope to help us do business. Whether it's in a sales or service function, or or um, with our vendors, or whoever it may be, but the reality is, in, in my mind, nothing will ever circumvent having a strong relationship with somebody, especially in the business environment. And you know, I've I've used that through my entire career in financial services, and as we went into this technology company with Palteri, it, it you know. As as awesome as the graph technology is, I also firmly believe that you know, in today's environment, keeping a uh, core relationship with the people that are most important around you is absolutely critical. That's why I pick. That's why I pick this. Um, and I, I give an example later on um, in some of the scenarios here when when we're talking about um, how uh, banks approach their PPP loan programs. Um, and, and in thinking about how that went, a lot of it had to do with the existing relationships, um, that they had with their customers. Um, so as we get into 
the new COVID sales cycle, whatever that may mm-hmm. look like over the next three, six, nine months, being able to develop relationships that are, are, are deep and have meaning are going to be especially important to everybody who's trying to sell a product or a service or a widget, right? And using graph technology is going to help them identify those relationships, be able to find insights that will help them strengthen the relationship. It will never completely... Um, circumvent the need to have a person develop a relationship, um, but it gives you a better understanding and, a, and another tool um, to deepen that and create a win-win situation. Thank you, Noel. Very interesting. Thanks for the quote, and we love quotes from Jerry Maguire. And interesting backstory there. Let's go on to Bernard Ritz at Paltrowy, and Bernard has sent us a quote from Simon Sinek. His book, Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. Let me just read a little bit about Mr. Sinek. Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, is an optimist. I love that in a bio. You don't often see that. He teaches leaders and organizations how to inspire people, from members of U.S. Congress to foreign ambassadors, small businesses, businesses to large corporations, Hollywood to the Pentagon. He has presented his ideas about the power of why. And let's see, he, in 2009, Simon Sinek started a movement to help people become more inspired at work and inspire their colleagues and customers. Millions of people have been touched by his ideas. His TED Talk, based on Start With Why, is the third most popular TED video of all time, and a mere 28 million people have watched his TED Talk. Very interesting. Here's the quote Bernard has selected from Simon Sinek. Quote, People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it, and what you do simply proves what you believe. Bernard, fascinating quote. Tell me more, please. (laughs) Uh, I need to step back. So I came across Simon Sinek last year when we decided to rename our company from Kantwert to Palterai. We Mm. did a name that works better internationally, so we renamed the the company to Palterai. And obviously, in this process, you're not just looking at the name, you're looking at the brand and the messaging and positioning, and we fell into the same trap as many other companies, right? We, we describe what we are doing and how we are doing, but uh, the message didn't have the, the energy that we felt, right? We felt like we are, we are pioneering something new, and it's really difficult to express this. You know? And uh, Simon Sinek exactly describes this. He looked at uh, big leaders like uh, Martin Luther King, Steve Jobs, the Wright brothers 100 years ago, and he said they have all something in common. This is they they start with the why. It's kind of your calling, your mission, and so on. And then we try to turn around our our messaging instead of starting what we are doing and how we are doing it. We start What's behind all of this? What's driving this passion, right? Why are we so excited about this? What keeps us keeps the energy level so high in the company. And it's funny, you always fall back into this trap. You always come back to the, what you're doing, what you're doing. We're so used to this. Yeah? But uh, once you embrace this idea and you implement it, to really put the, the why you're doing this, what's the, the core? Right? This has an impact internally to your employees, right? It's like, yes, this is what describes the energy. This is why we're doing this. And it also transfers over to your to your customers and, and partners. And it's exactly where it's, uh, he says... Uh, you don't buy a product, you're not buying a service, right? If you're able to transfer an idea and, and, and a big meaning, then the, the product is just the proof point of, of uh, how you have implemented this. So it's super exciting, had a big impact on, on uh, our organization, and I can encourage everybody to, to watch the, the TED video. It's like more than 10 years old, but it's as relevant as it was on the, on the first day. Thank you, Bernard. Very interesting. It's not an easy question to answer, is it, Bernard? If you went up to somebody in business at a meeting, you went around the table and said, introduce yourself and tell us your why. I can almost see, and tell me if I'm wrong, Bernard, I can almost see people starting to fidget, take an extra couple sips of their coffee, thinking, I wasn't prepared for this. What what does she mean? What does he mean? What is my why? Do you think people can articulate that? And don't you have to drill down to really find the basic, the real, the core why? Bernard, it's not an easy question to answer, is it? No, no, it's not. And the good thing is that Simon has a framework. He developed a framework. There's another book called Finding Your Why that helps you in this this process. So it's a very structured approach also to do this. You cannot just sit down and say, um, let's think about what's my wife, right? There's a couple of things. You have to explore all the stories, all the experience that, that you and your company had over the, 
time that it exists, that the idea existed. And once you dive into this, then there's a structured approach. And it's also interesting, it changes the way you're listening to people. And every time I listen to somebody, I think about, so, hmm, what's their why? What's their, their purpose? <laughs> what, what's driving them? Right? And then they come back with, they, they tell me what they're doing. So I'm not interested in your what, tell me your why. So uh, the problem is once you're addicted to it, uh, there's no going back. Thank you. Very interesting. That's a, a sidebar on our conversation today. I didn't expect that. Thank you very much, Bernard. Very thoughtful choice. And now let's go around the table. He is waiting patiently. Last time I said that, my panelist said, I'm not very patient, Bonnie, by the time I got to him, Dirk. So let's just pretend you're patient. Dirk Hauserman at SAP has sent us a quote from, well, he used to be called, uh, no longer with us, Ari, Ari Onassis. It's Aristoteles, so Socrates Onassis, 1906 to 1975. Uh, he was known as Aristo or Arionassis, a Greek shipping magnate who amassed the world's largest privately owned shipping fleet. And he was one of the world's richest and most famous men. He had some interesting liaison, shall we say. He had a, a liaison with famous opera singer Maria Callas, and in 1968 he married Jacqueline Bouvier Kennedy, the widow of slain U.S. President John F. Kennedy. Very interesting. So, uh, he also married the daughter of shipping tycoon Stavros Livanos. Her name was Athena Mary Livanos. Very interesting guy. Uh, bigger than life. Here's the quote Dirk has selected from Aristotle Onassis. The secret of a business is to know something that nobody else knows. Dirk, that sounds very mysterious. Talk to me. How'd you find this quote? <laughs> of course, I googled it, Bonnie. But uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I think uh, yeah, Onassis is a legend for sure because he started from nowhere and, as you said, became one of the richest and most famous people in the world. And of course, he uh, has been extremely successful in the businesses he ran. Now, back in the days, I would say when he said the secret of a business is to know something that nobody else knows, it's probably uh, true today uh, still as well. But when we talk about our topic, graph, then you can see that it's not only meant to be the secret of a product or the secret of a market or a technology, but it's really the secret that you can gather from finding out new relationships. And that can be new relationships in sales where you find new clients via your existing network because warm introductions are always better than cold calls. Or it can be uh, making sure you're compliant because you have a better overview of your customer processes and you can you are able to show complex uh, structures or you know making sure you uh, reduce network and fraud risks because you um, find out and have the knowledge about the network so i think what anasis said uh, back in his days is still true very true today um, but also now with a different notion because you have the ability to show these relationships and networks that maybe in the past you did out of a gut feeling um, or people knowledge, and today you can use via technology that can support you. Thank you very much. Great quotes from the three of you. I really appreciate it. And thank you. Thank you, Dirk. You Googled it. I, I love that. Thank you. That's where I get all my best quotes from as well. <laughs> Talk about being handy these days. So now that we've introduced our panelists and we've shared their wonderful, thoughtful quotes, the three of them selected, now it's time to dive. No, we're not taking a break. We're going to dive directly into the roundtable part of the show. Noel Billingsley, you're up first. I'm going to read part of one of your statements. You sent huge amounts of information and we love that, Noel. So I'm going to read a little bit from, uh, let's see, you want to talk about banks. So we'll talk about statement number one. I'll read a little bit, and I'll ask you to expand it for a total of about two minutes, Noel, and then I will invite Bernard first and then Dirk to comment on what you shared. Then I'll pick a statement from Bernard Ritz, also at Palterai, and read part of that, and he'll explain it, and then we'll go around the table, and then I'll read one from Dirk, and let's see how much information we can cover in the half hour we have left. So Noel told me the following before the show. He said, compliance costs are impacting the profitability of banks. The burden associated with compliance costs for financial institutions are predicted to increase from 4 to 10% of total expenses by 2022. Noel, I'm going to stop there and let you take us into how this relates to graph technology. Go ahead, Noel. Sure. Um, it relates in a couple different ways. So the, the 
compliance, as we all know, is a fundamental core of what financial institutions do, whether they're, they're banks or mutual fund companies or even insurance companies, right? They're all, at the end of the day, they're risk engines. They're trying to identify and mitigate risk, uh, whether it's through the making of a loan, uh, making good investment choice on behalf of the customer, transferring money um, domestically or overseas. It's all about it's all about risk and how to make sure that we uh, keep away from, uh, you know, the perils in life uh, from a financial uh, institution's perspective, right? Um, the, the, the impetus for this here in the United States is called the uh, Bank Secrecy Act. It was something that was developed back in the 1970s, and then it started gaining momentum uh, over the decades since. And then uh, once um, uh, September 11th happened, uh, the U.S. Patriot Act got, um, got implemented, and that's really when things started to take off. So... From the regulatory perspective, from the government's perspective, they're trying to mitigate primarily anti-money laundering activities and making sure that funds aren't going to you know, places that they shouldn't and, and trying to figure out ways to uncover this. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, well, really since that time, since it started, it was a very manual, laborious process. Um, banks at the local level, the branches, the people that you know, you and I see when we go to the bank to make a transaction are the front line to help identify that risk and that fraud. You've probably heard of things like suspicious activity reports, um, mm-hmm. you know, that if you bring in too much cash to the bank, they're going to fill out a little report, they're going to send it off to somewhere in a back room. Well, using things like graph technology and being... Uh, uh, you know, and and pulterized systems, and implementing that in conjunction with their existing KYC and anti money laundering procedures, they can help identify and enhance their ability to reduce risk. You know, it's no it's no longer the you know uh, you know um, fill out a fill out a form at the bank, they send it to a back office, hopefully somebody reviews it, so on and so forth. Um, that's really where the the, the costs started mounting up for financial institutions as they were trying to manage meeting the regulatory requirements that were being pushed to them from the federal level or the State Department of Banking level. Um, Implementing new technology that can help identify this is going to create efficiency, be able to identify fraud faster, um, and give them more tools to be able to, uh, you know, overall reduce the, the probability of, of what we call in the banking world non-compliance. So that's really what we're driving here is to be able to identify and make sure that they are in compliance with, with their current regulations. And in fact, um, Spencer Doak is the director of the OCC, um, and one of the things that he said back on April 15th of this year was that a lot of the banks have outgrown their capacity to manage compliance risk when it comes to things like that. So as of April 15th, the OCC, one of the main regulatory bodies here in the United States, um, had pushed out uh, another set of guidance um, to help bring banks into kind of the, you know, quote-unquote 21st century when it comes to being able to manage this because they understand globalization has really changed things. Technology has changed things. You have banks and non-bank financial institutions across the globe. So they're all trying to make these changes to catch up with the pace of technology and the pace of the rest of the world. Thank you very much. Great insights. I appreciate that and so much good information of what you shared, Noel. Let's go around the table very briefly. Bernard Ritz also at Palteri. Why don't you comment, agree or disagree, or add something to what Noel said, and then, Dirk, you're going to be next. So, Bernard, please join us. Yeah. um, uh, It's stepping back and and listening to what what Noel is saying, right? It comes down to the the government. uh, Well, first, you as a company want to know who you're doing business with and what's happening, what Mm -hmm. the transaction is. But also the government and other entities want to know uh, what's the transaction and who is involved in these businesses. And when you think about today's business structure, it can be very complex. An individual can be involved in in many companies. Uh, Some companies have very complex ownership structures. So it's not just one single entity. It's a whole network of of companies. This is where where we get the connection to the graph technology. And understanding these company structures and where people are involved in and then mapping this in with, with transactions and then see uh, if there's some illegal activity going on, things like money laundering, and uh, um, is there a need to for some compliance reporting, like identifying ultimate beneficial owners. 
right? These things can be very complex because of the complexity that we see in the, in the company structures. And these structures can go across the globe. It's not just within companies. And then, for instance, if you compare where we are today in terms of our understanding of that data, um, I just read that the, the U.S. government has 50 different identifiers for companies. Think about this. For individuals, you have a social security number, and you're pretty much pretty well identified. When it comes to company, every department has one or multiple identifiers. How can you understand who you could do business with? How can you see these cross-topic activities if you have 50 different identifiers? So having a, a, a trusted network that understands these relationships and uh, how it all fits together and mapping this against transactions is uh, super high value. And this is what Thank we say when we also talk about this hidden relationships, right? It's not visible because mm -hmm. the data... The raw data is there, but it's not connected in a meaningful way to drive these analysis. Very compelling. Thank you. Very interesting case. Let's get Dirk Hauserman to join us. Dirk, talk to me. What do you agree or disagree or anything you want to add to what Noel and Bernard just shared? Please go ahead, Dirk. Yeah, I fully agree. I mean, um, as uh, Noel has shared, there's a, a lot of pressure on banks uh, these days uh, to stay um, to assure regulatory compliance, but we see this in all in other industries as well, for example, insurance uh, industry. And of course, you know, as Bernard uh, pointed out, it's important for any business that is out there that they assure uh, compliance and that they know who they do business with, both uh, on the sell side and the buy side, you know, from the suppliers, but also from their customers. So again, I mean, compliance is one of the things where companies drive value out of to reduce their risk or to avoid risk totally. So this is a big value driver for companies. But again, you could turn this around and say, if you have to know your network to stay compliant, it's also uh, on the positive note, a great opportunity when you know the network uh, to make more business, to increase your revenues or profits. And these are the key drivers we see Uh, why companies are implementing or organizations are implementing such solutions to drive value out of their data, number one, uh, or, you know, drive more business, more revenue, be more profitable, or then um, this piece of regulatory compliance or reducing risk. So I think it's, it's part of the same equation, and the coin has two sides. Want to avoid risk, want to make more business or to be more profitable, and therefore it's, it's beneficial not only for the banking and financial industry, but also for all other industries and uh, organizations, and not only in the U.S., but around the globe. Thank you very much. Good around the table. Noel, thank you for that opening statement. Great conversation. And I'm going to move on in the interest of time to something that Bernard Ritz has sent me. Bernard, I'm going to read a little bit of statement number one, and then I'm going to jump to number two. I think I'd like to combine them so we can cover some more. So statement number one, Bernard told me, the theory of small world phenomenon says we are all linked by short chains of acquaintance or just six degrees of separation. No business is an isolated entity. Now I'm going to jump to statement number two, and Bernard quotes former, recently former SAP CEO Bill McDermott. He said, trust is the ultimate human currency. And Bernard adds, we are adapting to a new reality and a new normal with the global health and economic effects of COVID-19. Trust has become super relevant and will grow to be even more so in the future. Bernard, why don't you take about two minutes and expand this great topic for where we are today, of course, great way of looking at graph technology related to graph technology. And then I'll bring in Dirk and Noel to comment on you. So go ahead, Bernard. Oh, thank you. It's good that you combine these two topics. They're, they're very well related, right? Um, thank you. Let, let me step back. Um, uh, I think it's really natural for us to think in business networks as humans. We experience this in our personal lives every day, right? When you look at, at a person, you're not looking at them as an individual entity, as an isolated individual entity, right? So meaning you're not just looking at their age, their hobby, the address where they live, but you're also looking at their business environment, their social network, their families. Uh, if you think about it, if you understand who, who somebody's parents are, the children, spouse, friends, where they work, uh, people that are important to them, you have a much, much deeper understanding of them. Right? So in, in our 
personal lives, business networks, and understanding the environment is very natural. I always like to describe it as, think about a map where companies are cities, right? If you don't know the connections, this is like a map without streets. You just know where, uh, where certain companies are, but you don't understand the, the environment. So understanding this environment, as Dirk also pointed out, drives a lot of positive things, opportunities. You can better serve them. You can provide them better, more relevant services. It helps you to get a better understanding of, of the risk uh, uh, of doing business with, with somebody. So it's very easy to transfer it. And when you look in today's business systems, uh, ERP systems and CRM system procurement system, there we see companies as isolated entities. We have record next to record next to record, but we have very little understanding of how all of them are connected. We bring this new dimension of insights, business network insights, into the equation. This is what the Pulldrive Business Graph provides. Right? It changes the equation. It provides a new layer that has not been considered so far, even though it's very natural to us. Uh, jumping over to the other topic, what well, does this mean? Trust is the ultimate currency. What well, is trust? Trust. How do you do business with somebody if you don't understand them? Yeah, trust and, and risk not only comes from one entity; it comes from the entire business network. Um, I think this this statement, trust is the ultimate human currency, it really shows the beauty of simplicity. Right? We are evaluating trust with everything we are doing. It's so important to us personally and and in business. We never talk about it. It's kind of an I call it an invisible currency. It's there all the time. It plays a role, but it's not something that's articulated really well very often. And as I said, the business network provides a new layer of, of insight, a new dimension of insight. This is why we're saying we're pioneering a new idea um, that, uh, that really adds new trust, new transparency. You get a better understanding who you're doing business with, and you have new opportunities to, to, to serve them. Thank you very much, Bernard. Very interesting and very timely approach to our topic, Dirk Hausterman at SAP. Please join us. Thoughts on what Bernard just shared. Go ahead, Dirk. Uh, again, I, I really like uh, the line that Bernard has picked here because, of course, how could I not agree? Uh, he quotes our former CEO, Bill McDermott. He said that trust is the ultimate human currency. And I think he also said then as a second sentence, uh, trust grows in drops but gets lost in buckets, meaning, you know, mm -hmm. it takes a very long time, and we all know this, to build trust. But if you uh, screw it up yeah, and lose the trust of your partner, your business partner whatsoever, um, then it's gone immediately. So, therefore, it's, it's something extremely valuable that you have to protect and that you have to be aware of. And therefore, I like the, the notion Bernard put in here that when you put transparency on your network, uh, you have a great chance to build the trust. An example could be you want to do business with a new legal entity and a managing director there, and then you sh uh, look for the business network of this individual, and then you find uh, that he's connected to 10 other businesses and all of these businesses are flourishing and performing well, I would say this adds much more trust than if you would find eight of these of these 10 businesses have gone broke in the past 10 years or so. And this is what transparency of such a business network would give to you. And I hope it could show by this simple example how this would gain uh, trust and then therefore make your business more compliant, stable, and better. And I think... Uh, being aware of this and leveraging this in a in a more active way can help a lot of organizations and um, businesses to be more successful. Thank you very much. Interesting. I like the word stable in there. Let's go around to Noel. Noel, very briefly, because I want to move to a statement from Dirk quickly, but Noel, what are your thoughts on this topic of trust as the new currency and being able to trust those hidden connections or not? Noel Billingsley, join us, please. Well, I, I would say trust is probably a new, new currency. I think I would say it's more the fundamental currency, if anything. Mm. Um, you know, the, 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 the thought process of, of trust and transparency in people you do business with is, is at a core and kind of sings to my thoughts of, of relationships matter and, 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 and uh, that we discussed earlier. Um, but... Being able to develop that trust is, is absolutely paramount. It helps with 
being able to make decisions faster, um, mitigating risk, doing all the things that we want to do to be, you know, to make our businesses better, stronger, faster, uh, more compliant, or more profitable. So I, I think it's absolutely critical core, and it's very hard to quantify uh, without being able to visualize the ecosystem and the world around you. Um, only other than being able to develop long-term personal relationships with those people that you do business with. Thank you very much. Great around the table on that, Mr. Ritz. And now let's look to Dirk. Let's see what we've got. You've got nice, brief, uh, interesting. Let me go to statement number four, Dirk, uh, brief and to the point. I'm going to read the whole thing and ask you to expand it, and then we'll see what Noel and Bernard have to say. Uh, Dirk Hauserman at SAP says, to understand your business network is a key value derive- driver in today's world's compliance. We live in a world with constant fast change, yet the change, we know this is the change paradox. Change will never be as slow as right now due to exponential developments, and we're living through one of those. And here's what's interesting. Dirk says, if you fold a piece of paper, you only need to fold it 42 times to cover the distance from Earth to the moon with the stack of paper you created. Dirk, have you tried this? Are you out there somewhere between Pluto and, and, and Mars still folding paper? Tell us. I, I'm, I'm intrigued with this. It sounds like a puzzle, but talk to me about the idea of understanding the network as a key value driver. Go ahead, Dirk. Yeah, I mean, I picked this example because I uh, heard it myself and couldn't believe it. Of course, this is an explanation to a show cast exponential growth. And you remarked this in the opening statements about how data, the number or the value of data and the amount of data in today's world is exploding. In fact, I never tried this because apparently, according to origami rules, you can fold a piece of paper only eight times and you would need uh, 42 times to cover the 400,000 kilometers distance from Earth to the moon. But I put it in an Excel sheet and it's true. Yeah? Mathematically, it's true. And uh, again, it shows only that um, exponential means you double the amount uh, that you have every step you take. So, you know, a piece of paper, when you fold it over, you double the amount, you fold it over again, then you quadruple it and so on. And when you think about it, um, the amount of data human mankind created in the past 2,000 years will double in two years. And, you know, take this paradigm and the change, how faster it happens, then it becomes obvious that you cannot keep up with uh, managing your network yourself. You will need technology to be able to visualize it and to uh, better understand it and then uh, to assure uh, compliance as we discussed it before. So I think um, it's a nice example to showcase that um, Really, new ways of thinking are necessary, and of course, new technology is important to support you there. But again, it's not only risk associated to it, but there's massive, massive and great opportunity. And we can see this by the way how company value of organizations has changed over the past 10 years. If you look at the top 10 valued companies today on the list of the top 10 companies today, um, 50% are companies that have not been on this list uh, 10 years ago. And, and you're mm-hmm. aware of the Googles, the Amazons, the Tencents, the yep. Alibabas, uh, Facebook and such. And these are all organizations based on a data um, business model. So I Thank think you. it's fascinating <laughs> and it, it describes well the time we're living in. It is, but Dirk, I have to tell you, a piece of standard paper can only be folded in half eight times. However, there was a group called the Mythbusters. I know this in my mind. I'm not reading anything, of course, Dirk. You know, you know, I know this. It's just sitting there in my vast data bank of information. Useless sometimes, but today I'm using it. Mythbusters once folded a giant sheet of paper the size of a football field ten times. The resulting thickness after hitting it with a bulldozer was a foot tall, although there was a lot of air mixed in with the 1,024 sheets. (laughs) The formula for finding out how something, how many of something you have after doubling it n times, and there's a formula. But I will tell you that it is true. If you fold a piece of paper 42 times, you will end up with 440 billion millimeters. And the moon, on average, here we go, Dirk, is 384,400 kilometers from Earth. So therefore... The 439 
1,804 kilometers is within reach of the moon at 384. I rest my case. Go to codersrevolution.com slash blog and put in, will a piece of paper folded 42 times reach the moon? And the answer is, hell yes. Thank you for that, Dirk. I'm, I'm going to remember you always as the guy who told us about this this interesting enigma. Noel, before we get too far off track, Noel, brief comments on what Dirk added and then Bernard, and then we'll go to our predictions. Go ahead, Noel. Um, I, I, I'm getting a piece of paper out. I'll be with you in a moment. But there's a fundamental here, and, and that is, you know, we, we live a world. We live a world of data. We don't know it sometimes, but we do. You know, a lot of our decisions, um, whether they're um, for sales or for compliance or, or so on, is all data driven. Is, is very much data driven, and being able to interpret that and to be able to leverage that data as that data package, whatever you want to call it, grows, uh, is going to be vital for you know for, forever. Really, um, it's just a matter of how you can can gather it how you can understand it, how you can visualize it, and then most importantly, how you can act on it. Um, having a great, you know, huge pile of data sitting in a, in a cloud somewhere is, is, is fantastic, but it's all about what you can do with that. And that's part of why business graph technology is, is, is going to be taking off in the near future because it gives people a way to do something with it. Whether they use it for compliance, whether they use it to reduce risk, they use it for sales opportunities, um, to develop networks, to do due diligence from a a private equity, venture capital perspective, um, you name it, it gives them that opportunity. Think about what it can do for for healthcare or being able to map things like... um, you know, what's going on in the world of, of COVID-19 research. You know, these are all ways that it can be implemented because all these hospital systems and, and universities, they're developing all this data, but how do, you, how do you take it all, put it in one place, and then see it and then be able to act? So I'm going to leave, leave it at that, saying that acting on, on this data is, is, is what this is all about. Thank you very much, Bernard Ritz at Palterai. Talk to us for just about a minute, and then, Noel, get ready with your prediction. We're going to go into the veet, veet, fast, fast crystal ball predictions round. Bernard, what do you have to say about reaching the moon with paper or about this idea of trust? Go ahead. Well, there's, there's, there's one word that you used that caught my attention. This is change. Meaning, if yeah. you have all this data, right, uh, it's changing super fast. If you translate this to, to a business network, you create a business network of companies in their environment, and once it's created, it's obsolete within a very short period of time. Meaning, if you look at the business network, the way we described this, and new companies get founded, people leave companies, there's acquisitions, there's mergers, there are all kinds of structural changes in, in business networks, meaning it's not only about capturing these, these networks, but keeping them up to date, probably tracking them on, on in real time and put monitoring on top of them so that you are informed if any changes are happening. So data is one thing. Keeping data accurate, up to date is, a, is an additional dimension uh, that you need to take care of. Thank you very much. Great conversation around the table. Let's wrap it up with 60 seconds each, and I mean 60 seconds, gentlemen, so get your motors started, although they already are. Noel Billingsley at Palteri, 60 seconds. Talk to me. What do you predict will change about the acceptance of graph technology, about the acceptance of trust, about the understanding that we need to know where those hidden connections are? I'm thinking of the movie Hidden Figures. Oh, my. Noel Billingsley, 60 seconds. They're all yours. Go. To predict moving forward, you know, we're, we're, we're starting at the point of, of, of education. Um, you know, it's going to take us a little bit of time from a, from a, you know, from a sub-industry perspective to be able to develop the, the education and the awareness of how you can see things different. Um, you know, the technology is there. It's being implemented. It's being used. It's great, and it does what it's supposed to do. The question is getting people to understand the, the, that how important and how much of a game changer this can be for how they do business on a daily basis. Uh, my prediction is uh, over the ne- over the next year, year and a half, we're going to see this thought process, this mindset start to become mainstream in a lot of different verticals within uh, within many different industries. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Very appreciated. You get a gold star for that. Let's see how Bernard Ritz of Belterai does predictions. Go ahead, Bernard. Good comment. Totally forgot that we need to do a prediction at the end. So, but it's very easy for me to come up with the prediction. It's the core Good. topic today, right? I would say 
people will add a business network mindset to their business. This is one application of graph technology, right? We'll build out business networks around business partners to use it in, in, in compliance, in risk, in identifying new opportunities in better serving customers. And I think the early adapters who start with this business network mindset, looking at companies as part of a greater whole and not as an isolated entity, will have a competitive advantage. If they embed this into their business processes and their business applications, like, like in SAP and others, um, uh, this will be a new dimension, a new mindset, a new insight, a new type of information, and the ones who move fast can simplify processes, like compliance processes, and at the same time, as I say, better evaluate risk and identify new opportunities. Thank you very much. And that leaves Dirk Hausman. Dirk, I'd love to get your prediction. We have exactly 60 seconds for you. Go. All right. Game changer organizations and companies are the ones that appreciate the value that data provides for them and that understand the data value formula, meaning they generate value when they are able to manage the volume of data, the quality of data, and use this data, for example, with graph technology, as we discussed in the last 60 seconds. Of course, there's technology that will support them with this uh, value creation formula, but my prediction is we will see more and more companies rising to the top that appreciate this concept. Thank you very much. I cannot thank the three of you enough. Very interesting topic. A shout out, of course, to Dana Corder at SAP for finding the topic, for inviting the three of you. Noel, thank you for your background information to me when I was trying to figure out what the world this was all about. I appreciate the time you took to explain it to me before the show. A shout out to our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller at Voice America Radio, the business channel. You've been listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers. Shout out, of course, to Ira Burke at SAP. This is season seven of this series. We're so happy Internet of Things with Game Changers is still with us on the Game Changers family. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off. My message to the world is stay safe, be smart, don't take risks. We want you to still be here to listen to us again every Tuesday. We have a Game Changers show here live at 10 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel. So fasten your seatbelt. I know my car is still getting three months to the gallon. I assume yours is too. Fasten your seatbelt anyway. Take the car for a ride. It needs the exercise. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer today. Just like Noah Billingsley at Palteri, just like Bernhard Ritz at Palteri, and just like Dirk Hauserman at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 